August 30th, 2018, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference. The first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to tenboundcom conference to get your tickets today. That's tenboundcom conference. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am excited to introduce my next guest today. This is Mr. Sanjit Singh, Chief Operating Officer of LeadCrunch.ai. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for breaking off. I know that you're over at the Saster Conference uh, today. That's right. Yeah, we're at, I'm at the overcrowded Saster Conference. It's a great <laughs> conference, and a lot of people are here. Yeah, that's what I I saw some of the pictures. I was really surprised. I mean, it's great that they got so many attendees, but wow, that's it's a definite uh, crunch. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, but I think that's just a testament to what uh, Jason's built, Jason Lemkin, and it's just yeah, it's a terrific conference, and we're we're my partner Olin Hyde and I are here, and we're we're happy to be here. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for making the time. I was excited to get on with you in that I'm really interested in what you guys are working on right now. And just if, if folks aren't familiar with your background, how did you come to get involved in this? And, you know, tell us a little about yourself. Absolutely. So, uh, so my, my story is I started out in, in sales and then sales management, and then, and I became an entrepreneur with a, a small startup and, and then I've gone on to bigger and bigger, all startups since then, since that's, so that's really what I like doing. And sales is sort of my DNA and, and that's kind of how we ended up at this product. You know, when I was in business school, I began to study things like neural nets and how we could apply them in marketing. And this was pretty early. This was in 2006 before there was a, a lot of talk about AI and using it for sales and marketing. And, and so that's kind of what led us to this. We, even though we started in the military uh, space with our, with our product and our company, uh, we eventually pivoted into lead generation because it's a big pain point. And it, to the extent you're able to solve it, we found that you make people very happy and they're willing to pay you a lot for it. So that's kind of how we, I arrived at what I'm doing now. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Tell me about the, as much as you can, you know, that pivot process of you started out focused on problems in the military or military right. applications, and then you pivoted to lead gen. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, we, we thought it was interesting when we went through it, but I mean, the, uh, there's a lot of underlying problems that are, Solved by the same kinds of technology, even though they may they may sound disparate. And I think you know I've heard people say that 
uh, I heard an investor say, I could tell you what the next hundred startups are going to be. They're going to be all in different areas, existing business models that work for a while, except they're going to use AI. And I think that's, that, that explains our pivots because when you talk about finding patterns that are relevant in the military context, you know, there's two main things they're looking for is if they get signals off a ship, they want to know if that ship is friend or foe and they want to know other things and signals, depending on how much signal they get off of it, we can tell them different things. And the other use case they had was condition-based maintenance, what they call C- CBM plus. And we sold our technology to Lockheed among other companies. And Condition-based maintenance simply says, well, if I can tell you when your when your uh, a part going to go out a part's going to go out on your car, I could save you thousands of dollars. But if I could tell you when a part's going to go bad in a in a battleship, uh, I could save you millions of dollars. And so that that's kind of the, the use cases. And the, 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 the parallel between lead, that and lead generation is that lead generation is what we do is we tell a, a new prospect, you know, we take a list of uh, 25 or more of your best customers, we data mine them because we're good at dealing with sparse data. We find patterns, we build a lookalike audience of companies, and we curate relevant contacts and we outreach to them for you. But not with a sales pitch, we outreach with uh, your thought leadership content so that, because that's, that's what people are responsive to early in the buying process. So, so the, the, the parallel was just in, in pattern recognition. I think the underlying technology, you know, AI or machine learning or whatever you want to call it, math and statistics and self-learning algorithms are very, very useful in these different types of these different types of areas. There's so many applications. And I, you know, I heard someone say that, you know, having all this access to data, I mean, trillions of data points being produced every moment and, but being able to monetize that data and actually, you know, take it and make something useful out of it is going to be where firms like you come in and applying the AI, it seems. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's, there's no end to this because people have been collecting and collecting data. We've been creating, creating data. We've been giving off exhaust, whether we want to or not, <laughs> online and offline. And there's sensors and all kinds of things picking up this data. So I think that's great. And I think people are still doing that. But I think the next phase is then, okay, how do we get the most out of this data? How do we, there's a lot of companies we talk to that say, I have lots of data, but I, I'm struggling to find meaning in this data and struggling to pull out things that I want. And how do I do that? And that, that's kind of thing where our the technologies like ours, I think, are, can be very useful. It's just starting to scratch the surface. And when you think about right. just a few years ago, how we used to go about as sales reps, if you've been around for a while, we were always doing that account-based you know, marketing, as it's, as it's called today, in looking at your territory and trying to understand where your next client will be. But what, what you're doing is taking all that information that's out there either within your system and outside of the system and, and bringing it into a useful form to map out where your next client might be. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, I mean, we're not explicitly for the sales side of the organization. How, we're, we're for the marketing side. Because the sales side wants something that's a little bit more baked to that we've not only have found, but we've vetted, we've nurtured, and we've given them content. And they're, they're more in an SDR, sorry, that's an um, SQL type of, of state or an SAL type of phase. And so that's really where the salespeople want to, want to inherit, not, not necessarily at the stage we work at. But they should be very interested in what we're doing because uh, ultimately what we do is affecting them 
you know, a few months later, they start to see an uptick in, in their sales. So I think that's why we do have salespeople that are champions of ours in, in organizations. Yeah. And, and I mean, that helps it bring, bring it forward in that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all revenue, right? And if you, right. If you back exactly. it up from revenue, exactly. you need pipeline, the sales pipeline. If you back it up from the sales pipeline, it's the appointments and talking to people that might potentially be interested in your product. So, you know, exactly. it's, it's really exactly. those silos that still exist, it seems, are, are just, you know, fading, I, I, would, I would think, especially with a product yeah. like yours. I think you're absolutely right. I think as, as we you know, that work with data try to get deeper and deeper, we start making connections between characteristics or signals and what becomes revenue for you. As we start to get better and better at that, then it will see, I think, sales and marketing start to merge a little bit more and, and sales and marketing start to be less at odds with one another which is something that I think is, would be a welcome change. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see that. It's really exciting. I mean, you're right on the cutting edge. And it's interesting because there's another firm called Lead Space that mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. folklore was that they spun out from the Israeli intelligence unit. There was a bunch of ex-Israeli intelligence professionals who exactly. got into software yeah. and then they, they applied it to our same space, which is it's, it really makes a lot of sense that you could you could track it from there. And, you know, Say there's someone who's just learning about what you're doing. They're kind of a layman. And mm-hmm. if you're talking to your second grader, you know, say you're mm-hmm. you're sitting there and you're looking at all the potential accounts that you could potentially mm-hmm. target with with this model. How does your system work to, you know, say, okay, these this is the place where I should spend my time versus uh, this area where I'm probably just spinning my wheels? Sure. So, so with so with the marketer, I mean, uh, marketers are are, are they're a very smart bunch, and they've been getting smarter and smarter, and they've been getting better and better tools. And I think so. But to some extent, you know, some of them are you know left with legacy systems where, you know, we have we have a tremendous number of legacy leads. We don't know what's good and what's not good. So that's that's the first step: is can we get more value out of what we already have? Can we know what? Can we separate the wheat from the chaff? Can, are there, is there things in my funnel I should focus on? Are there things in my funnel I should just absolutely get rid of? And I'm talking about primarily the marketing funnel right now. And then, you know, further, uh, if I begin to do lead generation programs or I continue with my demand generation programs, you know, how do I, how do I optimize that? I mean, am I just going to continue to use industry size and geography for the rest of my life as the, as the way to curate lists of companies and then have demand gen companies reach out to them? or do it in-house or, you know, what's the best way to do that? And that's kind of where we come in as we say, you know, we can help you using data, using your own best customer data, you know, hone in on the, on the optimal audience. And if I was describing to a second grader is, Hey, take, you know, do you want more friends? Well, you have two, two of your best friends. What if I could introduce you to a lot more people that were very similar to your two best friends? And that's, that's kind of how I, that's how I would explain it to a second grader. <laughs> that's really good. I'm going to try that. I, I'm actually picking up my second grader a little bit later today, and I'll, I'll, that's all I'll explain it to him. So that's great. So yeah. so say you're you know you're a, a sitting there even even on the sales rep side, but even you know mm-hmm. higher level on the marketing side, and you're going uh-huh. okay. I'm you know I'm a newer startup. I've got a handful of accounts that I have closed, so I kind of know mm-hmm. I know what neighborhood I should be in. And now mm-hmm. I need to go out and find these lookalikes. Like, how mm-hmm. would they? How would they go about, you know, implementing that process? Are you talking about a new company or a company that has a fairly large customer base? August thirtieth, twenty eighteen, San Francisco, the Sales Development Conference. 
the first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to 10bound.com conference to get your tickets today. That's 10bound.com conference. So if they've got, let's say, you know, they've been up and running product market fit for two or three years. And so they, they okay. do have, they do have a, you know, a, a, you know, pretty substantial customer base at this point. Right. So in that case, what we would do is we, we would take a sample of their best customers. We certainly want to exclude the ones that, you know, although they're a customer, they're paying, they're not really the greatest fit or they don't pay us on time or, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're really the deal size is too small for what we're looking for. So we, don't, we definitely don't want to model things that you don't like in your customer base. So that's when I say best customers. So we take a sample of your best customers. We, we data mine them. And this is all done you know, autonomously. We, we have a, a, algorithms that determine, uh, that extract features out of the, your current customers with all the data sources that we have. And we create like a, you know, like a, like a thumbprint of what your customers look like or a D, like DNA strain, if you will. And then we, we curate against all the rest of the companies in this space. And we find companies that are most similar to your best customers. So lookalike audience, not, not very dissimilar in principle from what Facebook and Google are doing. Although that is primarily B2C, what they're doing. And exactly. so, but we're, and we're B2B. And so then we curate like relevant contacts, like contacts that you would, so if you're an HR company, you're selling HR software and you primarily target, you know, let's say the HR VP and the HR director. Uh, so HR director and above, let's say, then we would target those titles and we would outreach to them through web, email, and phone. And we would present them with a, uh, one of your cutting edge thought leadership white papers, not a sales pitch, but an actual thought leadership asset. And we would say, hey, this is, this is a new white paper that just came out. It's relevant to your title. It's relevant to your, your industry. And uh, would you like a free copy? And if they want a copy, we provide it to them. They get what they want. And then we, we realize that if they're reading this kind of material, they're very likely, they're a candidate that may be likely to walk down the buying path. Okay. And so we call that, you know, early stage engagement. There are some, you know, there are some uh, companies out there who say, you know, we could tell you when they're going to buy and do you want, do you want that data? And we have mixed feelings about that. First of all, as we've looked at some of that data, we're not really sure that you can completely predict when someone's going to buy. I mean, Google can, you know, you could do Google ads on who's searching for very, very explicit words about buying. You could do that on your own. And then there's the notion of, do I really want somebody when they're just about to buy, or would I rather get to them earlier, you know, higher in the funnel when they're beginning to consider? Because I think the smartest marketers we talk to tell us, and we've learned more from them than we've taught them probably, but we've learned from them that they say, no, I want to catch them early in the process. I want to frame the way they think about this category. I want to educate yes. them in the way that I want them to be educated. So they're looking, so that at the end of their journey, the things they really are looking for. There's only one vendor who can do all those things. And that's me. And so white papers, whether we like it or not, they be, end up becoming advertorials. And I think buyers are not dumb. They're aware of that. And, uh, but it does influence them. And so, so we buy into that. We buy into that, 
that way that the journey works and it's consistent with every every all the research we've read and all research we've done and and our own experience with customers this is so interesting i mean this is if if uh, you know and as the average sales development rep or sales development manager is listening to this i mean this is basically what we do on a daily basis but but you've taken that and put it into a box that can be used by a marketer to do a lot of these processes but what you're going through are just great best practices for anybody on the line you know that that's looking to start at you know to influence these buyers before they even you know start to look for the product that's right yeah i think the goal the game the name of the game is to get there early and when yeah. i was when i was growing up there was a uh, at one point sony came out with a product called my first sony and it was a little toy that you play with and talk about <laughs> getting up up the funnel and influencing buyers early. I thought that was genius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to get them that early. I mean, that's that's right, right. that's scarily early to get them into the Sony <laughs> buying funnel, but that's they right. they they got them though. That that's that's them. that's really interesting. And so another another thing that you mentioned is you lead with the the value creation piece, the the right. the the case study, and then you say mm-hmm. that it, you also call. So do you actually have people on your team who call, or do you? broker that out to one of the firms that make the calls to follow up on those? Yeah, so we do a combination. I mean, I think, you know, trying to vertically integrate in this industry is very difficult. And I don't think our customers, you know, want to pay for, you know, the prices it would cost to do that. And so we, we have flexible options in that regard. Okay. So you, but, but you feel that the phone still has a place in the whole transaction to try to broker live conversations. Absolutely. I mean, I think because, you know, if you, you don't want to find out information through email or confirm information through email, right? Because if you're using, let's say, let's say you go and buy a list or you're using data.com or one of the many, one of the many platforms and you, you blast out email after email after email. If you then discover that a bunch of your information is wrong and it's like, you know, unless you've verbally confirmed it, it's hard to get better than, you know, 90% 90% accuracy. It's, it's usually much lower than that, but let's just say 90%. You know, that means you're going to have a 10% bounce rate and then it's going to affect your domain. And so, so there's problems with trying to confirm information that way or assume that the information's correct. And we find that telephone still has, has a great place and a conversation still has a, a great place. But, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to get, we're trying to use technology to help guide us to the right, the right conversations. Because, you know, I've been in sales 20 years and one of my one of the greatest challenges in, in, in being in it for 20 years is, is coming to the realization as to how many hours and days and, and, and you know, that you've wasted talking to the wrong people. And although it's part of the process, it, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Right. I mean, we could certainly get smarter and smarter and use some of these technologies to, to waste less time. And so that's, that's the ultimate vision of our company is to make business interactions more meaningful instead of all the noise, you know, get it, getting, people uh, away from the fray, out of the fray, getting, you know, reducing the amount of noise. You know, when you go to your mailbox, hopefully you won't be taking a three-inch stack of junk and throwing it in the trash or hopefully the recycling bin. Hopefully we don't create that waste in the first place that we then need to recycle. Hopefully we get smarter. Right, exactly. And, and I mean, you, you look at it, uh, you know, the analogy to like a stagecoach and a car. I mean, yeah, sure. The stagecoach is going to get you there eventually and yeah. you got your horse and buggy and your, all that stuff. But but do you have to take a stagecoach everywhere? I mean, that's that's crazy. Right. Like from right, a sales exactly. perspective, because I think that there's there's still sort of a machismo 
in sales, <laughs> and and that's that's across the spectrum, but men and women, in in that hey, you know, I'm I'm tough as nails, and I got to go out and talk to a bunch of people, and that's all I got to do, you know, and, yeah. and I'll just make my number. But it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you still have to have that confidence and the ability For to sure. talk to people, yeah. but you can also harness the new technologies that are out there to to put you in the right neighborhood instead of wasting all this time. That's right. Yeah, I think I, I love those kind of folks, in fact, that you speak of. And I, I'd like to think I'm one of them. I, I don't know what, what other people would say. And, but I certainly try to hire those kind of people. And because, because they, still, they still end up doing the best. But to your point, yeah, we, let's, let's, try to, let's try to lessen the amount of pain they have to go through if we can. Yeah. And, and also on the buyer side. I mean, you said, you, said yeah. you, know, you come in every day and there's like 20 emails that are in, in your spam you know, box and, and stuff like that that are totally irrelevant. They have nothing to do with you. I mean, you could make it a better buyer experience as well if you're really targeting them better with something that's relevant versus mm-hmm. a bunch of junk. So I love it. I love it. And now, so, you know, the scary thing for this is the sales <laughs> development podcast, right? So a lot of people are out there, their their job is to have these conversations and broker right. these initial conversations. Should we be scared? I mean, is, is technology going to come and replace us? Or are we talking more of an Iron Man, you know, combination of technology and human? Oh, I think, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the combination. I just don't, I don't think you know, I don't want to be sold to by, I don't want, when I buy things, I don't want to talk to a bot. And so I assume that buyers don't want to do that either. And I think, you know, I just think we want to increase the amount of meaningful conversations we have, not, not replace it and have all the conversations with robots. And so I, I still think human connection is something we value, we crave, we want, we want handholding, you know, we want to feel special and important. We want people to pay attention to us. And, you know, that's always the, that, that's the paradigm we have, which is why we don't, you know, we don't do robot emails. We don't do robot phone calls. You know, I, it's not to say that there won't be some of that in the future, but I have a hard time believing that people are going to want to have those conversations. <laughs> and so I always try to think from my perspective is if I were a buyer, like for example, when we syndicate content on our website, I, I you know, we, we were at first just doing the standard, okay, click here and you download an asset. And I said, do I download assets? Do I like filling out a form and then downloading it to my desktop and saving and then clicking the PDF? So I said, okay, well, let's not, let's not just do that. They can certainly continue to do that. But why don't we give them a place where they can just click and just view it and scroll through it and be done? Because you know, not everybody's going to read this. They want to get the, the main points and move on with their life. And then we also did a partnership with Pocket. So they say, hey, I'm busy, but I do want to look at this. They just click the Pocket button and they can look at it later. It goes in their digital pocket. And so I try to, you know, we always try to say, if we were in the shoes of the buyer, you know, what would we want? And certainly I don't think I would want to talk to a robot, but that, that may change. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not quite there yet. I mean, I, I got into this conversation with a robot on Facebook when I was trying to do something right. to, to verify our company profile on Facebook. And I, I knew it was a robot and it was just, you know, it, it was Clumsy. so yeah. annoying. I mean, it was, it, it was <laughs> yeah. so irritating. And the fact that I knew it was a robot was even more irritating. So I think yeah. I, I, to your point, we've got plenty of runway here, but let's let mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. technology do the heavy lifting. Because a lot of what you're describing with what you guys are working on, we're still doing manually. And that's why it's taking so much time. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think, I think companies don't, don't want to pay these great people to do demoralizing things like 
get hung up on all day or be told that no, this person's not remotely a fit. You know, so I, I, yeah. I think we all want to do more meaningful work. And I, think, I, I think most people who lead companies want their folks doing meaningful work as much as possible. And, you know, getting hung up on all day and knocking on doors or getting thrown out of office buildings which described to my career in the early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know, we must be, think... <laughs> we're from the same era, but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. literally like well, I, when I started, it was a dummy terminal. I don't know if anybody yeah. even on the call knows what that means, but it was oh, yeah. one, one computer that was plugged into the server on prem that had right. the CRM for that office and, and a phone. And it was like, <laughs> have at it guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I told my sales manager came in, I said, well, how do I get leads? He's like, he looked at me as though like, you know, you know, you want this on a silver platter, you know, go, go do it, go figure it out. I'm not going to tell you how to get leads. And so, uh, right. you know, it was, it was, I literally had a desk and a phone. And then eventually I had a, a mainframe, you know, terminal and that's how ancient I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny yeah. because now, you know, there's been such a shift towards sales development as part of the organization uh, to have sales development, sales, and then customer success in right. SaaS companies that a lot of people in sales, and no offense to anybody that's listening, are really dependent on sales development, you know, to, to queue up the the meetings. And, you know, we're almost losing that muscle of having to prospect yourself. Totally. Yeah, I think I think it's it's paradoxical, just like you're saying. You want to build the skills as though the technology wasn't getting better. Yeah. And you want to be ready to walk through those walls if you have to. But hopefully the people that are providing you tools at your company are really being thoughtful about, you know, trying to make it as easy as possible. But yeah, I, I certainly, uh, I almost took pride in, in uh, getting rejected after a while because you kind of have to do that. As a, as a, there's so much rejection. And I really, uh, I really admire everyone in the sales profession. For, for the cold outreach they still have to do. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I hope you guys can make it easier. But I, I got to say that that cold rejection and getting the door slammed in your face, it prepares you for entrepreneurship and, and marriage. so you know stay in there man if you're young in your career and you're just getting this these these skills you're learning will pay dividends so um anyways (laughs) i i I, I just but uh no sanjay this has been great man what before we let you go what are you excited about right now what are you guys working on what's post you know saster for you the next couple of quarters yeah, that's great. I, uh, that's a great question. So, you know, we have a we have basically a technology or SaaS powered service that we offer, but we also have a SaaS product that we're building, and that's that's a lot of why we're here at Saster to to learn from the, the great folks that are here and and get customer feedback and that. So that's kind of what we're really excited about. And you know, on maybe on a later podcast we could talk about what we're building, and we'll have that'll have more shape by the next time we talk. And uh, but that's what we're really excited about because the you know predictive technology core can do a lot of things for marketers other than what we currently offer. So we're excited to offer them more tools to help them uh, do a lot of things that we talked about, just make, you know, be able to spend their time on more meaningful parts of this process and, and have their salespeople do the same. That's what it's all about, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking us through everything. Uh, got some me. great strategy tips and just really appreciate you coming on. Good luck with everything and good luck with the rest of the show. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. 
If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.